Okay, today I'm here with Keith Norris. He's a former standout athlete, military veteran. He's an elite strength and conditioning specialist and habit change expert with over 40 years of in the trenches experience as a serial entrepreneur in the health and wellness space. He's a co-founder and chief development officer of the largest paleo platform in the world, Paleo FX. As well, Keith is the CEO of Phoenix Equipment Group and founding member of ID Life, a company whose mission is health and lifestyle optimization. In his spare time, he authors one of the top fitness and personal development blogs in the health and wellness sphere, which is Theory to Practice, and the author of The Five Ts, The Art and the, the art of Goal Setting and Continual Improvement. And personal note, Keith, is, I met him at one of those events, and it's pretty great. I met him yeah, years ago, and just someone I kind of connected with and felt that soul resonance with, and I met him at a, you know, another event like a, a week later or something, and then just talked here and there throughout the years, and uh, you know, been following along more talking to him a little bit more lately so i'm happy to you know share him with everyone he's a uh, you know great guy and just someone who is very dedicated to uh the, his his path of the soul and self-improvement so i think you guys will enjoy this conversation keith over to you welcome to be welcome uh, yeah welcome here mike thanks a lot man for having me on uh giving me the platform allowing me uh you know the platform to to discuss uh, things as they are, the current um, state of conditions right now as we find them and, um, you know, how those of us in the health and wellness field, especially those of us who are uh, what you might say spiritually dialed in um, and, you know, what it means to navigate this landscape because it's, it's crazy out there right now. It is, it is, but things weren't always like that for you, correct? So how uh, how did you start off? You know, you I mean, you were more, weren't you more the meathead military like me? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. I, you know, I the culture I grew up in is anything but the uh, culture I live in now. I mean, it's uh, you know, I grew up very, very working class. Um, it was a, a lifelong athlete because athletics was kind of my ticket out of of that life, you know, not that, not that it was a bad life. It was just kind of hard scrabble. Um, I really had no intention of going to college. In fact, I probably would not have finished high school had it not been for athletics. Um, the time and the, the place where I grew up in South Texas at that time, this being the eighties, um, you know, kids were able to drop out at 16 and go work the oil fields and make really, really good money roughnecking. And all you had to do was be able to, you'd be willing to work hard, um, kind of a risky job and long hours. And I was all about that. And we just really wasn't a student. Um, just never bought into that method. You know, look, looking back now, I just didn't buy into the, uh, you know, memorize, regurgitate um, thing. And I just was, you know, the only reason I stayed in school was for athletics. And had it not been for an athletic scholarship, I would have, I would have never gone to college. Um, I, I say never. I would have not gone to college out of high school. Who knows what might have happened after I got out and worked for a while. Um, but at that time, the only reason I went to college was for athletics and kind of flowered as a student in, in college because I had professors who pressed me to think for myself. And I fell into um, studying political science, human psychology and just really flowered in that atmosphere as a student and finally finally came awake and and then enjoyed learning for learning's sake at that point and that's something that stuck with me even now i mean i just enjoy learning 
I love pressing myself. I love stress testing my own preconceived biases daily. I think it's, it's almost a spiritual practice for me now to stress test those things. Um, and I think really, Mike, that's something that our society has lost at this point. Uh, we've lost the ability to question our own preconceived biases. Uh, we've lost our ability to have discourse with someone whose beliefs we don't necessarily agree with. And, you know, this is perpetuated by the social media culture that we live in now that, that just as you know, it's just not set up for that kind of discourse. And yet that's what we use it for. Um, so that the divides between us just get more and more divided. Um, yeah. Is that something that you think is an inherent or natural quality or perhaps a soul quality? So you know, have you reflected on this? Why do some people self-reflect and why do some people absolutely hate it? Right. Is there, I, is there a difference? Is it conditioning? Is it something we're born with? What do you think? Well, I'm a, I'm a big student of spiral dynamics. I don't know if, if uh, your listeners or yourself, Mike, um, know of spiral dynamics. Um, I'm not. It, uh, Ken Wilber is the uh, philosopher who okay. has kind of repopularized spiral dynamics, but there is a lineage um, of, of academics who had studied this phenomenon until Ken Wilber kind of really took it by the horns and really um, back in the 90s, he really did a deep dive into spiral dynamics. And essentially spiral dynamics takes what would be Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs and just really, really expands that idea. Um, and, and to put it in a nutshell, because we, we, I mean, you could spend hours talking and talking about spiral dynamics it's 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 at once hugely complicated and on the other hand just very very simple concept to get so as you so as you elevate um psychologically speaking from from just say satisfying basic needs um to then increasing levels of complexity within the psychology the idea is that you have to integrate all of those lower levels below for you to be a fully functioning human being. And what traditionally happens is if you can think of an electron jumping, you know, having energy and jumping shells to a different, to a different potential, people will psychologically jump to a different potential and then disavow all of that stuff that came before. It's just kind of a natural evolution of things. And you can't do that. Um, because all of those things that are below are quote unquote your shadow. And, and we know from spiritual practice, if you disavow your shadow, it will come back to haunt you and it will squeeze out sideways. The psyche, those are pieces of your psyche that will be expressed and they won't, they will not remain hidden. And if you don't have control of them, they will squeeze out sideways. Um, so, yeah. So I think what happens is, is people, elevate to a certain extent psychologically they disavow all of that below and that's kind of where we're at right now so this happens both personally and it happens as a society too so as an society so as a society elevates the same things happen the society disavows everything below um, there's a schism um, those shadows within the society squeeze out sideways which is kind of like well it's exactly what we're seeing now going on and until we learn as a society and an individual to integrate these things, this, these schisms are going to continue. 
Yeah, so this giant kind of collecting or facing of the collective shadow. Right. And, you know, some people don't face it, but they still experience, you know, it's you know, squeezing out of them and that turns into just projection and attacking. And well, some of us, you know, decide to face it and work on it. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with Ken Wilber's work. I'm, I'll dive into it at some point, but uh, Dr. Keith Witt, I'm talking to him Friday, who's a student in front of his. Um, yeah. And we all, we talk, I just finished up his book on the shadow too, which is right. really good. It's a great, so, it, so you can think of spiral dynamics as kind of more of the, the left brain answer to what shadow work would be the right brain answer. They're both kind of talking about the same thing, but they're coming at it from different directions. So it's a great melding of these two ideas. So if, so if you're well-versed in spiral dynamics and you're also well-versed on shadow work, it makes perfect sense to you. And marrying the two, integrating the two is, is what I've done for, I don't know, the last uh, 10 or 15 years or so. And since I've really been taking a deep dive into this and it's, like I say, it's not, it, it, it's not easy territory to tread into because it, it requires self-reflection, man. And self-reflection, as you know, Mike, that, that can hurt sometimes. It's painful, um, but it's necessary if you want to evolve as a, as a human being. So what were some of the more painful things that you've had to face over the years and learn about yourself? Well, some of the, some very basic things for, for me, I had always had the schism in my personality around uh, making money for instance, just because of the culture that I, that I grew up in, that was very distrustful of anyone or anything that had money. And the idea that, the, that you could only deserve money if you broke your back to get it, right? And, you know, the idea that if you want more money, you work overtime. Um, and the idea that anybody who had a substantial amount of money, the only reason they had that is because they screwed somebody over or they played the system, or all these negative connotations that come with abundance, right? And that's a very scarcity-minded idea, right? This, this, uh, this absence of abundance, it's scarcity. Um, and, and so for me, the thing was, and, and so for a long time, I disavowed the scarcity mindset, right? I completely cut it out of my psyche. I don't believe that anymore. I believe that just by nature of me being on this earth and doing good works that I am privy to abundance. The problem was I completely cut out that other side of me. Right. And what I, what I came to find out was, you know, that energy served me well during that time period, because as you know, Mike, being in the military, you don't make any money either. So, um, and it's a great sacrifice, especially on the family side of it. And I did have a family, a young family at the time I was in the military. So it's a, it's a great sacrifice. Um, and, and so I tried to disavow all of that, but the truth of the matter was I was in a scarcity society at that time. And if I, you know, if I just kind of magically said, no, I live in a, in abundance that did not make it so. I needed that energy, that scrappy energy at that time. That was my position in life, whether I like it or not. Now I've elevated myself through hard work and luck and all of these other means to, yeah, I do live in abundant society now, but that does not mean I disavow that other energy. It served me um, when I needed it. And it can't, it, you know, if I need it again, I've got it. You know, it's a skill set I've got in my tool belt. Um, but I choose not to express that mentality and that belief right now. I don't need to. 
but it doesn't mean I disavow it. And so that's one of the things that, uh, that I had to work through and had to struggle through. And, you know, and that was a deep groove in my psyche to get past. That was one of those things that I learned as a child. And, you know, the first seven years of your life, you're essentially a programmable mind. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that in an evolutionary sense. That's what this, our species needs to be able to take a, an, a, a infant up to a preteen to where they're actually contributing to society. Um, it, you have to be fast-tracked into the culture so that you can be a productive member of society. Um, but the downfall of that is you are programmable. So you are going to pick up all the negative aspects of your culture too. And so you did, as you become older and wiser, you just have to be aware of that and be able to do the work. And, you know, I always say every, every belief that you have is a story. That's all it is, is a story. Do you choose to believe that story or do you choose to rewrite the the narrative? Cause you have that power to be able to do that. You can rewrite it. And I'm not saying it's easy, but you can rewrite it. Yeah, the abundance thing is really uh, a big thing for the you know, the people who probably listen to the show, the people that I work with, yeah, I'm, uh, because, yeah, and especially in this like spiritual context, there's, you know, there, there's an, I noticed an extra sensitivity. So especially when you're, you know, just, you know, re- receiving money for doing healing work for someone or, you know, or right. whatever, or just like, if you enjoy it and you're passionate about it, it's like almost, you don't want to taint it with money. You're like, Oh no, this is like, just do this like over here on the side and, um, or, or they, or, but then that keeps you from helping more people or really embodying it. And then there's the other who you know, are trying to do it full time, but then just struggling constantly to be able to just, you know, make it work. It's something I definitely have experienced and experienced. Oh, that's um, very so. true. And, and I see people and I don't do spiritual work per se myself, although I do see the work I do in the world is, is very spiritual in, in my own sense. Um, you know, it is my way to help people become better optimized human beings, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially, you know, in, in, in a community sense. Um, so I do see my work as spiritual. It's just my work is to be here in the 3d world, right? My work is to be done down here. And I've gotten that message many, many times in plant medicine ceremonies where Initially, I thought after I had this run of a year of just being constantly called back to plant medicine of, of questioning, you know, am, am I supposed to be a shaman? Am I supposed to be, you know, on doing that? And the message I got continually um, that, you know, when, when you're talking to other or whoever it is that you're talking to in these in these ceremonies, in these situations, um, the, the constant answer that I got was, no, you're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be, you, you, you are gaining powers right now to help you operate most effectively in the real world. That is your position. That's what you're here to do. Yeah. And so I, and so I take that to heart. So in that sense, the work that I do here, although it's not, you know, shamanism per se, it is my contribution to this world to make each and every individual that I come in contact with a more optimized human being, a more optimized version of themselves. Um, so I, so I do look at it in a, in a spiritual sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And that's another trap. I think people can fall into um, thinking that one thing is somehow more spiritual or sacred than another when that's not the case at all. You know, right. We all, all have, 
all God. It's all one. It is. You know? We all have special qualities, you know, and we all, you know, if it, it's, and I don't want to, you know, put my beliefs on anybody else, but I, I believe that we were all incarnated here, both to teach and to learn. We all have qualities inherent in us that we can teach and we're all here to learn something as well. So it's a, you know, the big classroom method, yeah. uh, idea. Um, and that is my station. I mean, that is, um, I truly believe that's what I'm here to do is to help make people healthier. And in that sense, I can empower them to then go on and express their qualities, whatever their genius is. Um, and so that's, that's what I do or attempt to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, that, that's what I do. And that's one of the messages right. that, that's come through. And again, not, you know, things aren't more sacred than another, but, you know, to me, you know, personally, like that, that's within my own world, you know, that is the most sacred is helping people become more healthy because when you do that, you know, then they're becoming more themselves and they're becoming, you know, more free, more empowered, more everything, you know, and then they'll be on their soul path and their soul journey and they'll be, and they'll right. be doing their most sacred work. Right. And that doesn't mean you know, my soul, my work is more sacred than theirs. It means, but we all have this like, you know, part that is the soul gift that we're here to, uh, teach or share or give or just be. And you mentioned oh, also, so going back to, yeah, the like hardwiring, re, um, this, this programming from whether it's about money or something else and or, or abundance versus scarcity. That's something uh, I've I dealt with a lot, especially with, um, you know, trauma. Anyone who's at trauma definitely has right. uh, a hard time with this. I think, were there any particular tools or things that you did to, to help with this because there's yeah there's so many levels and there's um, just like thinking about like on the you know the nervous system and the brain level like you can you know your brain can literally be hard hardwired for right scarcity so you know evolving that into one that's geared towards abundance uh is, is no small task right um being aware of the issue was probably first and foremost right so so there's one thing to be aware of an issue and there's quite another thing to take on the responsibility to to work on it, right? So, um, so for instance, you know, I'm fond of saying the idea that knowledge in and of itself is not power, action is power, right? A knowledgeable action, that is power. That's what creates things in the world. So just being cognizant uh, of a shadow issue you may have is, okay, great. Now what are you gonna do about it in the real world? Um, and, so it's been, it's, and I'm not saying I am quote unquote cured of it. I have to work on it daily. So, so part of it is mindset, catching myself in a mindset of, of scarcity, right? Um, I challenge people or I invite people in my closest circle and I'm lucky enough to surround myself with some fantastic people who I have asked to, if I verbally or by action, I say or do something that implies a scarcity mindset to just kind of call me on it, you know, just politely say, Hey, is that, is that really how you feel? Is that really how you think? And a lot of times that's enough to go, Oh yeah. Cause you, a lot, you know, much of so much of this is subconscious action. Right. And so you say and do things subconsciously that, that your conscious mind can't even catch all of the languaging, all of the actions, all of the, and, and Michelle, my wife is very, very good about catching it. Right. In a good way. Um, and she'll just ask, is that, is that coming from a place of scarcity or a place of abundance? That word, that act, you know, whatever. 
Um, and that's generally enough for me to, to catch myself and go back and rethink and rewrite the groove, rewrite the groove. Now, if I catch myself in that, uh, which, which you will get better and better and better and better if you endeavor to take on the task, whatever the, whatever the thing is, you'll begin to catch it. Um, I kind of, <laughs> I, I jokingly call my subconscious, my inner DJ, right? And I just say, Hey, inner DJ, I don't like that track. Play something else. I don't like that track. You know, I love that. Play something else because it's, it's true. I mean, it is a story that is just kind of on autopilot, right? And this is kind of the Buddhist idea of the, of the mind being a great tool and a, and a very, very poor leader, right? You can't let it, you can't let it be the boss or it will run wild and totally control you. And it is up to you to be able to, to not, not, uh, completely break the mind, but to manage it properly. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it, I don't know, you know, we can, we can get into this. I, I wrote this post one time. What does it really mean that the meek will inherit the earth? Right. Well, if you, yeah. if you look at what the, what the old Sumeric term meek, what that actually means is breaking a horse, but it doesn't mean breaking in such a way that the spirit of the horse spirit of the animal is broken. It means controlled just enough. So you might think of the uh, native Americans in the way that they broke a horse. They did not break the spirit of the animal. The animal was still very spirited, but it had, had turned to where that spirit was now in service of the, of the jockey or the owner. Right. So, so, they, so we now have they, to do to ourselves. Right. And so that's the whole idea of the mindset, right? You are, this is a collaboration between mind and spirit, right? You don't want to break the spirit of the ego, but you actually want it to work for you. And, um, it's, you know, it's, and, and a lot of this can, can wind up being, you know, so much, uh, so much, you know, theoretical masturbation, but in fact, when you actually put it into practice, it makes sense. Right. And so you're slowly coaxing, the ego into being your willing servant rather than being your master. And, you know, the, you know, to switch back to Buddhism again, I keep flipping back and forth between uh, Christianity and Buddhism, which it, oh, personally yes. I do all the time and that in Hinduism, but I, I find such uh, knowledge in all of these that at the base, all of these structures have such incredible knowledge within them. Um, you just have to dig for the gold. You have to pan for the gold. Um, but, but that is the idea is, is for you as a human being, an optimized human being, a spiritually optimized human being is to be able to harness that ego power successfully. And again, we get into the shadow aspect. The idea of nullifying the ego doesn't work. I mean, it's not a nullification. It's a proper integration of the ego. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah. All right. Um, so there's this, uh, well, a couple of things. So one, this relates to something you mentioned, you know, working on going from uh, or the way that, you know, it was taught to you and that you explained was uh, the condor versus Puma energy. And you can right. see it like, you know, being versus doing and uh, that, yeah, the way that relates to what we were talking about is almost like the, you know, the, the scarcity versus the abundance. Right. And so 
can you explain a little bit about that concept and what you know you've been learning about it and what yeah your plant medicines have taught you about it and one quick note the uh, in a in a sweat lodge the mother earth i was kind of you know had some healing around this and i was in there and you know they, i saw very clearly you know after the first round and when the door opened i just saw so clearly like you know because the, the the sweat lodge is known to be the the womb of the mother and it was just so clear to me that that i was like oh my gosh this really is a womb like just the experience that i had when the, the light came through and how dark it was it's like wow and then yeah i heard that yeah the mother earth saying to me what kind of world do you want to be born back into mm. what kind of world do you want to live in and and that like really really hit me and so that's something i remind myself and ask myself and ask other people and because at the time you know the, what it was you know sharing was you know you, you live in one of scarcity and fear and danger all right so what kind of world do you want to live in and i was like uh abundance and love right. and beauty <laughs> and joy and, and then i had this amazing like rebirth experience so that's something that i come back to a lot and yeah it's just like yeah when you know talking to you i like i love the idea of having a nickname or something for your subconscious or just like a way to relate to yourself and then just be like yeah bro like what kind of world do you want to live in like did we talk right. about this so, like <laughs> um and also it kind of reminded me i'm on the edge of like buying this course right now but it's like, i don't necessarily need it and there's like some other things like, i'm like eh, because of the money and then i was like going like this back and forth and kind of like meditate on it and yeah it felt like a yes but like the yes where i could easily just forget about it today and then not do it and so that reminded me of you know, a conversation of like is this out of scarcity or is this uh, out of abundance like you know which part of you is this coming from so what do you want to do here uh, right like, oh okay so that's just an example that you remind me of um so yeah yeah if you remember the question can you right. touch on that <laughs> yeah so so first off yes we do have the ability every day to create the world we want to live in and I, I truly believe that and i see that and yes that is hard to believe right now in this in this in the context of lockdowns and mask wearing and social distancing and and all of that but um you know coming out of that we do have the ability to create whatever world we want to live in so i'm totally down with that um yeah so the so the mayan um Mayan slash Peruvian idea of snake puma condor energy. Um, this is something that uh, some very, very special friends of mine, Todd and Cole Whitty, um, had talked about. And this was, uh, we'd done many ceremonies kind of exploring this, this energy as it related to the, the group that we largely are involved with here in Austin, which is very much uh, health and wellness entrepreneurs. And when we looked at these entrepreneurs and that, and, and this, by the way, can be anybody. It's just, that is who we are surrounded with mostly here. Uh, but, the, but this can apply to type A personality attorneys. This can apply to type A personality CEOs and big corporations. Um, it can apply to anybody, but, entrepreneurs just happen to be the group that that we surround ourselves with here in Austin. And what we were seeing was so much burnout from these entrepreneurs, even in entrepreneurs who had, you know, mission based um, um, companies, right, to where they weren't chasing the bottom line so much, they were chasing a passion and a mission. And we, and we, you know, we would ask ourselves, you know, why are they, 
why are they burning out? What is the, what's the common thread here? And, uh, you know, they're, they're either burning out, you know, physically, mentally, um, they're burning out relationally, generally financially, they're pretty good because that's what they do. Um, but in the, you know, Michelle and I have this, uh, this, this uh, seven pillar methodology of health and wellness, where each one of these seven pillars uh, represents one aspect of health, um, the finances being one of them, but, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and, you know, uh, communally and tribally, all these people were doing pretty well financially, but something would train wreck them. Either their relationships were in the tank, um, they have a health issue come up, you know, it, it, it's the same old story, right? It's like, okay, so what's the deal? And so we started looking at this through the context of, of um, kind of the Mayan idea of these three different energies. The first energy is the snake energy. And the snake energy is kind of your first waking up to the environment around you and questioning that environment, right? So, so for me personally, I can just give you an example, um, waking up and going, I don't think the school system, the way I was taught, I don't think a, I'm being taught everything there is for me to learn and b what I am being taught. I don't think that's necessarily correct. You know, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a total answer. I think there's more out there that I'm not being told. And why, why am I not being told that? Um, and then there's the idea of, uh, when I got a little bit older, it was like, why am I chasing this American dream? You know, the big house, the big cars, kids in the best schools, which I had at one time, uh, because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And, you know, that it became dis very disillusioned quickly doing that. You know, why, why is that? Why, why did I buy into this whole smoke and mirrors thing? I, and I don't agree with it. You know, I have all these things and I'm empty inside. Why is that? I should be totally happy. That's what my society taught me that once I had all these things, I would be, you know, everything would be great. And they weren't. Um, and it's also the idea of shedding old skin, shedding old ideas. The idea of, you know, is that, uh, do you still believe that story? Who told you that story? Do you still believe that story? And is it serving you or is it not serving you? And you're, you know, so that's the idea of snake energy. Puma energy is what most entrepreneurs are stuck in. The Puma energy is hunt, kill, hunt, kill, hunt, kill, never satisfied. Uh, in, in the, probably the poster child for Puma energy. And I love this guy. This is not disparaging. I love his energy, but Gary V. Gary Vanderchuk is like the poster child for Puma energy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a constant, never satisfied hunt, kill, dopamine hit, bam, back to the hunt, kill, dopamine hit, back to the hunt. I mean, it's just a constant hamster wheel of doing that. And you cannot continue to do that for long without burning out, which is what we see in the entrepreneurs in Austin. Kind of the elevated idea is moving into the idea of abundance and the idea that the universe will provide for you to the extent that you are expressing your gifts that the universe wants you to express. That is the condor energy that is soaring way above it all, having the bird's eye view and just riding the air currents, right? Very little effort. You're just existing. You are just being. And I've had this, this idea many times this image has come to me in, ceremony of the image of an oak tree 
And I think, I think this image came to me as, as oak because I did a, a 10 day oak dieta back in the day. Um, so I'm, so I have this affinity with the oak tree and we can, we can talk about what a dieta is after just let me finish this idea and we can jump to that. But the idea of an oak tree, that an oak tree, that the size of the oak tree is dependent on obviously what resources it takes in, what water, minerals, what all of the resources it takes in, but it also is in service to everything else around it that depends on it. It gives off oxygen. It provides habitat for other creatures. So the more resources it takes in, the more resources it is able to offer to other creatures. And I have constantly had that image in my mind in ceremony of this is what abundance is. So do not be afraid to take in resources because if you are just being you, you are then going to provide resources in kind to the environment. And that's the way the game is played. That is the way life is played in this realm. So be a part of nature. Don't try to be, you know, askew from it. Now that, you know, obviously the big question is, okay, what does it mean to be just me, <laughs> to just be in the world? And that's a great question, right? So then you fall back to, okay, what are my qualities? What are the qualities do I think that I have? And this takes lots of self-reflection and maybe doesn't have to mean plant medicine work, but just self-reflection um, to figure out what that is. And it's, and it's generally not what society tells you it is either. Or, or it's not that program, it's not the marketing program that we've all been sucked into. For me, back then, it was not to work for the pharmaceutical industry. That wasn't cutting it. That wasn't my gift. Although that's what I was told I should do because it paid well, right? I made Jack, <laughs> serious Jack, working for the pharmaceutical industry. So by all measures, um, I did the right thing. But it wasn't who I was. And so I floundered. So that's, that's um, that idea in a nutshell. Yeah, and that, that also relates to just, you know, moms who are, you know, say you're divorced and you're working a job and you're raising kids. Right. It's the same kind of like, you know, get, you get stuck in that energy, just like the burnt out entrepreneur, the burnt right. out mom, burnt out really anyone <laughs> or anything. It is. It's kind of come back around and balance. It, it totally applies to anyone. And believe me, I do understand it. If, if myself today would have talked to my uh, 20 year old self, I would, my 20 year old self would have laughed at myself today going, dude, you have no freaking idea of what it means to scrap and try to get by. So don't hit me with this woo woo bullshit about abundance and all this, because I'm having to scrap day to day to day to make it. Um, I get it. I totally get it. And I'm not saying that it's an overnight thing. And I'm not saying that people do operate in scarcity. They do. But there is, how can I say, a transition. Yes, you may have to operate in scarcity for a while. Totally cool. But it, at least in your mind's eye, if you know abundance is doable, it actually exists, it's out there, you can begin to move yourself towards that path. I think that's the, that's the message. Yeah. And then the tree image I really enjoyed because trees are just something that I just have a really high affinity to. And I've had some pretty cool, like mystical experiences, just some natures with trees. And so I really like that, you know, what you shared and how it like brings in these resources to give out resources. Right. And I'm, I'm going to 
write something, a post on this, or maybe do a solo episode. Um, this concept of you have one hand to give and one hand to take, mm. and then talk about that same exact thing. Um, just using that as the analogy, if you will. Right. And so can you, well, what makes an, uh, the dieta, I'm familiar with it, but why an oak or dieta? Or yeah, I guess, can you explain that briefly? Right. So, um, so just to explain the dieta, um, a, so in the, the Peruvian lineages, um, in these lineages that, uh, that serve ayahuasca, um, these lineages will tell you that the, that the shaman there, it's not so much that they, that they continually drink ayahuasca to become a shaman, but they do dieta after dieta after dieta after dieta. So, so what they're doing is they're cleaning the vessel themselves and they're purifying the, their, the vessel themselves so that, that when they do take the sacrament of, of ayahuasca, they are, they are finely tuned, right? So it's not the ayahuasca that finely tunes them. It's all of the dieta work that they've done beforehand. And so, you know, what is a dieta? It's essentially a very, very strict diet. And when I mean, when I say strict, it is like the most bland food, no spices, no salt. I mean, you're just barely getting by. Um, I'd rather just fast. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which I have done before too. I I have just said, well, you know, I'll just fast, which, which is perfectly cool. Okay. Even better. And them too, they get to the point um, where, where they will just fast versus taking in any substances in any substance other than there is always a tree or a vine or some kind of plant that's added into the, to the diet. And what they're looking to do is to absorb the qualities of whatever tree or, or plant that they're calling in. Um, oh, wonderful. All right, right. That's the part that I didn't understand. That's awesome. Right. And so what they do in the case of, um, um, this particular lineage there, they are called essentially the tree people. They will diet trees. So what they do is they take the bark of whatever tree it is that they're doing in this particular dieta and they boil it down and they make a tea out of it. And twice a day, they have a, a mini ceremony where they partake of that tea over the 10 days. Um, and in this case, um, I, I've done many dietas, um, and for whatever reason, the, the tree that was, that held most affinity, most affinity to me was the oak tree. Um, so you can think of, uh, the, uh, strength in strength in times of turmoil. Um, you know, all, all of the qualities that you that you see in an oak, um, for whatever, for whatever reason, and, and people will find that they have an affinity to you know, generally, uh, one, two, three different particular trees that they really have an affinity for. And for me, it was, it was always Oak. I just had a massive affinity to Oak. And so there's constantly Oak probably images. Probably because you're jacked. <laughs> it could be, I don't know. I mean, you know, who, who knows why, but it, it, all of those, it, it just, that just really stuck with me, all of those qualities. And so when, you know, and they, and they were, the lineages will say that the trees will speak to you. They will forever after you've, after you've done this, they will talk to you and, 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 you know, they essentially become spirit guides um, with their, with their knowledge and uh, with their wisdom. So, you know, and this, I constantly have had after this dieta that this image of the, 
of the oak tree, all of the resources it takes in, and all of the resources that it gives out to nature too. And it's this constant, never-ending flow. Nothing in nature is stagnant. There's continual flow. I mean, even when you think about the creation and destruction of mountains, nothing is permanent. There's flow in everything. It just may, may be on a galactic timeline that you're unaware of because, you know, we're here for a flash of a second, you know, our lifetime. But there is constant flow. There's this constant um, give and take, uh, a recycling of resources. And people um, are not divorced from nature. In fact, we are just as much a part of nature as anything else. And so we are not above the laws of nature. We need to, to live properly. We need to be right in that flow as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've had a couple experiences too teaching me this and that you know, I still continue to make sense of one was more with like this, yeah, the, the energy of taking and the energy of giving or this divine masculine and the divine feminine. One of them was this just like the, yeah, at the time, the way I perceived it was like the creator just coming to me and it just, you know, I closed my eyes, get ready to do a, a reading for someone. And then all this like light appeared and like my mind's eye, super powerful. Immediately it was just like bawling like the entire time. And this energy just, just came and said, this world is yours for the taking. What do you want? And then after a little bit, it just left. <laughs> and that was, you know, left me really confused for a very long time. And I actually was until just like recently, I made more sense of it. And then I had another experience in Mexico when I was just walking down the street to the gym where I all of a sudden I just felt myself, like, you know, my experience kind of, uh, our consciousness like shift. And then I was just dancing with the universe. And then we were just like, you know, the, like in a, holding each other somehow in this uh an embrace as if we were dancing and then i just had this kind of knowing permeate through me that this life is a dance and just like this rhythm of this like you know flowing and just like being and you know receiving and so like yeah th those two experiences really kind of had a very very big impact on me and so that's how i you know i'm, I'm still learning to understand them or at least the energies of, of this like give and take so um you know your tree analogy is very useful right. for that so thank you and uh there's some notes here that definitely not going to have time to get to but one of them that you were actually talking to yeah or this kind of relates so the a lot of the stuff that we see on the media and things that are being advised to us uh i've been noticing and a lot of you know great like spiritual people and well-meaning people kind of you know buy right into it but they all all seem to be in contradiction to all like every spiritual teaching and like health mm. teaching you know I've ever come across and doesn't make any sense to me and so I'm wondering if you can touch on that a little bit maybe bring in this concept of you know resiliency how do we stay resilient in these times and you know how do we you know and speaking of like that shadow and that projection so when you know if you don't want to partake in certain measures that go against your health teaching and your spiritual right. philosophies and things like that. How do we, how do we deal with this and during this crisis that we're going through? Right. Right. It's, it, it, Hey, it's tough. I mean, I get it. I, what I try to do on the daily, I'll, I'll tell you what I try to do on the daily and I don't always succeed. I have to catch myself. Um, I always try to be the observer try to back out, back out, back out, just to where I become the observer, right? And I'm not emotionally 
attach to any one outcome, which for me is very, very difficult because I have my biases. I have my opinions. Um, I, like you, Mike, put my life on the line in the military, and I do not wish to see this country unravel from the, from the inside out. Um, so I am, I am very invested in the direction of this country and people's freedoms and, and all of that, hugely invested. And I know that my being um, just in a, in a rage or contributing negative energy to this whole mix is just that, contributing negative energy to the whole mix. So I try to remain as much as possible the observer of everything. You know, what, in the same way that if something personally, you know, if I suffer a personal um, setback, um, for instance, I, I lost a daughter when she was uh, 22 years old in an auto accident. And for a long time, that really, you know, set me back and Michelle too, like put us back on our heels. It was devastating. The idea, the thing that got us out of that was on a spiritual sense, what, what, is, what can we learn from this? What did this event, this happening, what was it that, that we were meant to learn? And I think, you know, I look at this, what we're going through right now is the same thing. What am I meant to learn from, from this? And I, I, try to, I try to look at it that way. It's not, I don't always succeed. Um, I do get caught in the mix quite a bit. Um, one of the, I can tell you one of the, when we're talking about the, the shadow aspects, one shadow aspect of myself is, is the trying to disavow the physical warrior side at, at, out of myself. So I, throughout the years, I've been doing constant work on myself, constant work on myself. And I've, and I've reached the point where I feel like I have elevated past the need to, to like uh, make a change physically, right? Like pick up arms, like, like um, you know, like physically confront something to make a change that I have elevated both intellectually and spiritually to the point to where I should be able to negotiate um, emotionally and spiritually what, whatever the outcome is that I want. And I try to totally disavow that other side of it. To give you an example, Michelle uh, went, and this was just a few weeks ago, she went to go, um, she went out to the range and she wanted to get a conceal and carry license here in Texas. And she asked, hey, do you want to go out to the range and, and shoot? And I, and I immediately was like, no, I don't want to do that. And I thought, and, and she was kind of surprised. She was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I don't, that triggers something in me. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And what it was, was again, if we go back to the spiral dynamics thing or the shadow work thing, that was me trying to disavow a side of my psyche, right. And not integrate it. Right. So I thought, you know, I'm better than that. I don't need, I don't need to be the quote unquote redneck out shooting things up and doing all that. That was my past life. I'm done with that. Instead of going, no, you know, that served me when I needed it. And let me integrate this into my whole self. Let me see how can I integrate this into my whole self 
can I go out to the range, um, you know, shoot a thousand rounds and come back and still be the, still be the peaceful warrior. Can I do that? Yeah, I can do that. Um, but that, you know, that's just one, that's just one example. I don't know if that fully answers your question or not. Another example, I'm getting ready to go uh, to the airport here in a couple of days and fly to Florida. And I know, I know I am going to be triggered, right? I am not, I'm not wearing a mask, right? I just, it, it, there's a lot of reasons why I refuse to do it. Um, number one, they're, they are just not effective <laughs> at actually stopping a virus. So there's that, I mean, they're just not effective. Um, and number two, I see it is a, I see it for what it, what it is. I mean, I, I took, um, you know, evasion tactics, uh, school in the, uh, in the military. I know exactly what mind control looks like from the other side. And I see the mask for what it is. It's a mind control device. Um, and you know, that's probably a quote unquote conspiracy theory, but I see it for what it is. And I refuse to play the game. Um, now how I refuse to play the game is going to be up to me. Do I throw a tantrum and, <laughs> and throw down or do I politely say, you know, no, I choose not to do that. Have a great day. You know, that's, that's on me. Um, so yeah. And that's easier said than done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I when I first got into this deeper healing work, I threw out the warrior energy, um, you know, like, like you were talking about, and just like wanted right. no part of it. And right. you know, heard all these people, you know, oh warrior this, warrior that, and I just like was so annoyed and thought it was so stupid. Mm -hmm. I was like, what do you know about war? Like, right. shut up, you right. never, <laughs> yeah, just like <laughs> these little like nerds. I'm right. a warrior. Like, no, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like I yeah, yeah, like had so much like animosity around it, like right afterwards, and then yeah, really had to do a lot of work to kind of you know rebalance that out and reintegrate and uh you know learning more about it um and then yeah too with like the the mass thing i, I have a lot of uh, i found a lot of projection that i was doing on that situation a lot of like trigger and trauma about it you know connected to some you know earlier traumas in my life that i learned about through you know doing healing work and through you know ayahuasca and mushrooms showing me the the trauma from different medical and pharmaceutical interventions and so they yeah, like I, it's a kind of a still is a little bit of a source spot for me and but we only have a couple minutes left and there was one question that i wanted to ask you because i sure. even before even i was just thinking about it and i was already getting chills when you were talking about and so when we do healing work when i talk about healing it, it's a lot about this wholeness right and you know it's coming to this place of wholeness and you know healing your energy body so you know getting undoing like these wounds and these scars and yeah you you learn from them and you integrate but you become whole again mm -hmm. so I heard you have like chills and tears here too again. <laughs> so with the loss of a child, is that something that can be healed in one lifetime? How does that work? Yeah, I you know, I really think it can. It, it, it depends on the person, right? And it depends on if the person, this is tough to say. And, I, and I've worked with so many people in integration after ceremony with this that have, that have suffered through whatever the trauma might be, um, whether it's sexual abuse, um, physical abuse, uh, the loss of a, of a loved one, all of these things. At a certain point, you reach, you reach a point where either you can hold on to that pain or you can let it go. It really becomes a personal decision. If you choose to hold on to it, again, it's another story. You know, do I choose to see this as 
the, the way I chose to see my daughter's death was she lived a beautiful, productive life for 22 years on this earth. And she apparently taught all she could teach and learned all, all she was here to learn. And it was her time to transition out of this realm into another realm. Um, now, that said, you know, I am either comforted or uh, <laughs> under an immense delusion, depending on your point of view, that there is another realm after this and other energies at work, right? And I comfort myself in that fact, whether that's true. It's true to me. It's as true as I can intuit. That's a fact, but, you know, I can't say that for sure. I, I don't know. I can't say that for sure. Um, I, I guess I'll find out at a certain point whether that's true or not. Um, and I have seen other people who have, who have made it through inexplicable, inexplicably tough horrors over and above losing a child that at a certain point they reached the point where they were number one, willing to forgive their transgressor, not only, not only forgive, but, but actually show that whatever that trans, transgressor, whether it was this person, whether it was a thing, whether it was whatever, actually show it compassion. That is a very, very tough thing to do. But everybody I have seen that has been able to do that has been, the trauma has been erased. Mm -hmm. it, it's just been, it's been let go of. And every person that I've seen that has been unwilling to do that has not progressed past that point. I mean, they just, it's a groove that they can't get out of. Um, and it's kind of like the Buddhist idea of, Mike, if you, if you do something to me that angers me, my holding that resentment and anger does nothing to you. <laughs> it does everything to me, right? Who is, who is the vessel of that anger and resentment? It's me. It's not you, mm -hmm. right? So I can choose to, to let that anger and, resist, and resentment just fester in me, or I can choose to let go of it. I mean, it's a very, at the end, it becomes a very simple question. Do I want to hold on to it or do I want to let it go? Um, wow. And that's really, that's what it boils down to. Now it's, you know, it's not that easy. This is where I think psychedelics and plant medicines are a help because they put a person in a position to where they can become the observer and they are less, how can I say, invested in the situation, right? There gives it, there, there's this distance between the act and the, and the ego or the person at that point. And it's just enough distance to where they can look at it, look at the, the situation objectively and be able to do the things we just talked about. Yeah. And I actually show the transgressor against me, not only forgiveness, but compassion. What is it that happened to you that made you do what you did to me? That's what I, that's right. That's compassion. I have compassion for you because something happened to you that made you do something in return. Right. And so, yeah, but that's, you know, that's again, way easier said than accomplished. Yeah. It takes work to accomplish that. And I have compassion for people who are going through those things. It's not easy work, but the alternative is to be stuck in that wheel of just self-loathing or, you know, ever, ever how that, trauma expresses itself in the, in the body, um, usually yeah. physically, right. Cause it will squeeze out physically somehow. 
in disease um, generally. But uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, because when I think of it, I think of yeah, a lot of the horrible things happen to us. And for some reason that, you know, that's not as big of a deal when it comes to somebody else or, or our loved ones. And right. so this idea of like, you know, you would step in front of a, a bullet for your child. And right. so it's like, you know, a lot of people can face the things that have happened to them, but like when all of a sudden when it comes like, yeah, losing like a child for some reason to me, that seems a little different or like harder. I don't really know. I don't have experience with it. Um, at least not in this life. And that could be my, just like some soul trauma projected there. Cause I have had some, you know, experiences and readings and just like learnings that, you know, I haven't had a lot of great family lives, you know, throughout my soul history. Right. Um, and that's part of my, my own, my purpose here in this life is to be a capital F father, really embody that archetype of the father, uh, which means also having a great family life. Uh, yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Thank you for your, your bravery and your courage and your love, your healing, your wisdom. Thank you. Uh, thank much. you for being here. And can you share, where people can follow along and learn more about you. And you've yeah. been on tons of podcasts too. So just yeah. let me look up his name. He's been on like so many. <laughs> yeah, tons of podcasts. I, um, you know, you can find me at Twitter at Keith Norris. Um, you can go to uh, paleofx.com. Uh, find me through that. You can go to my, um, I have a blog that I try to keep up with. I can't say that I've kept up with it a whole lot lately just because, um, being in the event business right now and trying to pivot from being an event business to being an online entity is taking up a little time. Um, uh, but uh, that is uh, the blog. You can just Google Keith Norris in theory to practice and it'll, it'll take you right there. Um, yeah. Otherwise um, you can find me on Facebook as well. I'm on Facebook too. Um, although I'm not as active on I, I'm active in a lot of groups, but on my main page, I'm not, um, all that active. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me, man. All right. Sounds good, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. And thanks again, Keith. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike.